everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Casey Sunstead, and this is the Relate Podcast. This is where we get curious about how we relate to ourselves, God, and others. You're tuning in for episode one of season six, and I really think you're going to be glad you did. Let me tell you a bit about where this conversation is headed. In season six, we're going to look at what happens when life takes a new or different turn, and we find ourselves left with some sadness. And then maybe it happens again and again, as it tends to do. What do we do with all those changes, adjustments, even losses as they add up, as they pile up and start to weigh quite a lot when they're stacked on top of each other? That's what we're going to get curious about in this season. And I have pulled together the perfect people to join us for this conversation. If you've been part of the Relate podcast before, you'll remember our friend Benny Square. Benny is a pastor, and he's studying marriage and family counseling. Hey, Benny. Hey, Casey. How you doing? So good. So glad you're here. And I'm so good. I'm so glad to be here with you. Thanks for having me. And we have someone new joining us this season, and I bet you're going to feel like she's your friend by the end of this episode. She's that kind of person. You guys meet Lee Carlson. Hi, Lee. Hey, Casey. Hey, Benny. Hey, Lee. So you guys, Lee is a good friend of mine, and I'll tell you a bit more of why she is the perfect person for this season in a little while. But first, Lee, tell us what we need to know to know you. Give us the essentials. All right. I'd love to. Um, so I'm Lee. <laughs> I have been married to my husband, Todd, for 31 years. Oh, uh, yeah. We raised, oh, yeah. We, we made it this far. It'll be 32 <laughs> in August. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Uh, we raised four kids together. They are currently ages 22 to 27. We have two boys and two girls. And we gained a couple more kids in our children's adulthood because they, two of them got married. So I have two more kids that I adore um, <laughs> by my kids getting married. So we now have three boys and three girls. My favorite thing to do um, is to spend time with my people. So my family, my friends, my coworkers, my small group. I have two of them actually. Um, and one <laughs> of, of them I've been do. part of. Of course I do. <laughs> I'm an extrovert. Another thing you can know about me. And one of them I've been a part of for 20 years. So mm. I refer to them as my A-team. And mm. um, yeah, I just love being with people. So that's me. That's yeah. awesome. One thing Lee didn't say is that she gives great mom hugs. So Aww, when we can things. give hugs and actually engage and interact in person, you need to get a hug from Lee. It will change your life. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> my, that's a my, lot of pressure on a hug, Benny. <laughs> my wife attests to that as well. So Aww. I just want you to know. That's amazing. Lee, we're so glad you're joining us for this conversation. So thanks for thanks being for here. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's jump into our conversation. Today, we're going to start to get curious about what to do with that sadness that comes when our life is going along on the same lovely path we've created for it, and then it acts like a jerk and takes a turn. The turn might be expected, something we chose or add to change to our life, like a job, or it might not be, like a good friend moving away. You might be told to stay positive, to keep going, to look on the bright side, but if we pay attention, we might notice some sadness that lingers. But we keep on, we forge ahead, and then life brings us another change. Oh, and then there's another interruption to our planned trajectory. And of course, there's also life's turns that we do plan. Maybe it looks like a career change, 
or moving one stage of life to the next, like starting a family. There can be beautiful, exciting changes, but they also force us to say goodbye to things that we loved. And because of the joy coming our way, we don't sometimes feel right acknowledging the sadness that comes as we say goodbye. We want to take a look at what we do when these transitions, interruptions, and losses add up and leave us what feels like a large amount of sadness. So you guys, what comes to mind for you when we talk about this picture of little losses adding up? What situations from your life do you think of? Well, yeah, I think um, as I'm listening to you talk, Casey, um, I'm thinking about what we all are experiencing right now with the effects of COVID-19. We are Mm -hmm all collectively sort of grieving the loss of what's happening in our world, um, losses that we didn't even know that we had until they are now gone. Um, And when you think about COVID-19, when you think about this pandemic, I mean, there are some major things that we can point to the loss of life. Uh, But I think there's a a, a number of small things that we can even uh, point to, the the idea of gathering together. You know, how many times... Uh, I don't know about you guys, but how many times I've just wanted to walk out my house, go say hey to my neighbor and like, oh, wait, I can't do that. I can't actually go be with other people wanting to go say hey to friends or even my family, like just wanting to go see my cute niece. I, mm-hmm. I can't do that for safety. Um, you think you about, talked about hugging before and that's so weird. You can't hug the little I kids. know. Yeah. Like cutie, hug, cutie, cutie in your life. Hugging, yeah. shaking hands, you know, just showing that love and affection that you have for people, uh, people in your life, you can't do that. That's, that's a loss. Um, you know, being a pastor at a church, you think about the idea of corporate worship, the idea of when people gather together, there's an energy that is in the room, like whether it's corporate worship or, or even thinking about a concert, like when you gather at a concert, there's an energy that's there and you can't do that in the season. There's a loss there or, uh, the physical ne- connection, you know, hugging, shaking hands, you, you know, all of those things. And then, you know, I, I'm a big, and I don't know about you guys, I'm a, I'm a big routine person. Like I like mm. my routines and my rhythm. Yeah. And with COVID-19, that has been lost. You know, Ooh. I usually go into the office at a certain time, work, do work, come home. Like there's a certain drive, certain podcast that I listen to on that drive, you know, that, that idea of the loss of routine and rhythm. So, you know, when you mention losses, uh, the thing that comes to mind is COVID-19 and really the losses that have happened uh, with just the effects of that. Absolutely. It's such a timely conversation we're having. It'll, it'll always be true that life brings us unexpected things, but absolutely. for me, this is a season of <laughs> unprecedented, unexpected, right? Yeah. So good. And with that loss of routine also comes the loss of the clear division between um, work and home life, right? Yeah. We're working where we live. It's, yeah, it's tricky. So true, so true. That's a big one for me. I don't know about you guys, but man, yes. there's sort of trying to keep that balance and now you're doing it all in the same place. And so there's that loss of division, yep. Yeah, I was working yesterday, I was in a meeting and my kids were texting me about tie-dye and slip and slides. And I'm like, what is happening up there? I was down in the basement and I'm like, Work-life balance is bleeding into each other right now. Yikes. Lee, what about you? What comes to mind for you when we talk about little transitions or losses building up? 
Well, piggybacking off of what Benny just said, I um, have been walking alongside a group of girls that I have just um, completed a four-year journey with. So I've been a small group leader in our student ministry for our high school girls. And so my girls became seniors this year, and I had all these hopes and dreams for how we were going to finish well together. Of course. Um, And so, of course, those things didn't happen. I didn't get to be with them and attend their graduations and uh, show up at picture opportunities and grab a a snapshot with them. So I'm really missing that. Um, So that's the COVID part of that, the end of that journey and what I'm grieving. But also, I have fallen in love with this group of girls and Mm -hmm. been able to be with them every Sunday and go on retreats with them for four years. And now they're, they're graduating and heading off to college and our time as a small group is ending. So um, I'm just, I'm grieving that. Yeah. It's the end of an era. Like even if they had ended the way you wanted them to, it would be a transition that brings some sadness. But then on top of that, it's the unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Another one that comes to mind, thinking about kids growing up and going off to college, uh, my own four kids, you know, as a mom, we pour our lives and hearts and souls and energy into raising our kids and wanting what's best for them. And honestly, my friends and I kind of joked about this. Nobody prepared us for the sadness that we would experience when our kids went off to college. So that was a real big one for me. I remember dropping my oldest off at college and it was fun. It was super fun. It's what I wanted for her. It's what she wanted. She had a clear path she was following. But I came home from that weekend of moving her into college, went into her bedroom and just bawled, sat on her bed and bawled. Life was different. My oldest was yeah. gone. The family dynamics were going to change in our house. So that was a big change in our house. When you bring up a good point. Out. It's a good thing, right? Like you did your totally. job well. Yeah. And so you're, she's going to go and fly on her own for a little while. And so people might say, you did what you were supposed to and don't feel sad. And, but of course, of course that's gonna, and mixed with the good, you're feeling proud of her at the same time as she goes, but also what does that mean for you? Yeah. 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 It was just different. And then along with that, her, her and the other kids like graduating from college, moving out, they're just, they're moving on with their lives and lives and doing what we Uh, brought them up to do, but that's hard. And then also the getting married piece. So that's a beautiful thing. And I adore my in-law kids. I gained a son-in-law first and then a daughter-in-law and they fit in well and they're beautiful people and they love my kids well. So that's going well, but it's also, we have had to grieve the loss of the, what we call the OG Carlson clan. You know, we are no longer getting together just the six of us. There's more people. And as much as we love and adore them, our family's growing and that is change. And we had to adjust to that. And there was a little bit of grieving with that. Yeah. So that was, it was, and it surprised me. It really Mm -hmm. surprised me. It makes sense to me. And thanks for sharing your experience with us. I think parenting is a good container for some of these transitions, right? Like I, I feel like from the day I became a parent, I started thinking about that time in the Middle East. Totally. <laughs> For me, I also think about, I made a really big job transition about two years ago. I worked for the mm-hmm. same organization for 15 years. And I still, two years later, miss that job and miss that that organization, miss this, the interacting with students the way I did. I worked at a university. And so... Again, that was a transition that I chose to make 
and made it with intentionality. And of course, there's some sadness that came with it. And so the punchline here, this sadness that we're talking about, the punchline is that we're going to call this grief. And if you're anything like me, you might feel a little pushback in using that word grief for these little losses. After all, we're not talking about something like losing a loved one. But I really think it's important for us to use that exact word. And now you're going to get the secret of why I asked Lee to join us for this conversation. You guys, Lee has been instrumental in creating and implementing a grief workshop for those people who are grieving loved ones. And it's helped countless people understand and work through their grief. So I thought Lee would be the perfect person for this conversation because as I've heard her talk about the content from this workshop, I began to see ways that I could apply it to my life and the grief that I was feeling from transitions or little losses piling up. Lee, do you see that too? Do you see ways that that the content from a grief workshop can be applied to more of these smaller losses? Absolutely. We often only think of grief as a word that we use when we lose a loved one. But there are many other instances in which we use the word grief, and it actually can be helpful in our lives. We can apply the word grief to just about any change in our lives that shifts the way we experience the world in which we live. Grief is actually part of the package when we have to adjust to a new normal. Sometimes it's a change we wanted, or we asked for, or we dreamed about, uh, like Casey, your job transition. Um, And sometimes it involves unexpected change that we would have never asked for or dreamed about. Um, But the point is, whether the change is good or bad, there may be things we need to name as a loss. And Mm -hmm. loss demands to be grieved because it'll affect us in so many ways if we don't. Wow. Loss demands to be grieved. I love that, Lee. Man, I love that too. That hit me right in my heart. Yes. (laughs) And so you guys, why do you think it is that we might not want to call this sadness left after these losses or transitions? Why don't we want to call it grief? What do you think that is for you? I think often we're resistant because like I said before, we want to put grief in a box and it belongs with something big or something that we know we should grieve. And we tell ourselves that word should, Um, Mm. you know, we should or we shouldn't. And that makes it tricky. We know we should grieve the loss, loss of a loved one, but should we grieve the loss of our child living in our home? It just gets tricky. Yeah. I also think grief in, in context, if you ask most people, grief has only been used with the death of the loved one. And then people begin to categorize that, oh, that's a big loss. So that demands and deserves grief. Right. But these smaller transitions, those, those aren't a big deal. And we start comparing our griefs to other, well, Mm -hmm. they've lost a loved one. So they deserve to grieve mine. I just need to toughen up and get stronger. So I think it's the, also the way that we've used the word grief. We've only applied it to loss, but because there's loss and change in every little thing in every area of life, it all demands to be grieved. Manly, you said that. And I'm like, man, that's such good wording. <laughs> Thanks, Bunny. Demands. Yeah, demands. it's strong. It's, it's yeah. so important. Yeah. It, it shows the importance of it. The, the word demand, it demands to be felt. It demands to be experienced. And, yeah. yeah. And I think that another word that was really powerful is should, right? Like I think yeah. people want to talk you out of sadness. And so it leaves you thinking like, oh, I shouldn't feel sad for this. I shouldn't, if it's a positive thing, I shouldn't be feeling sad and I should just 
ignore it and move on. But that's power that the word grief has. If we're naming it something as real and as understood as the word grief, so Lee, why do you think it's important for us to call um, our sadness in these losses grief? What do we gain by calling it grief? You name it grief so that you can feel it for what it actually is. Mm -hmm. And if you feel it and name that you're feeling it, then you can choose to heal it. You can't heal something that you haven't named. Because if you don't name it, then you're not allowing it to be felt. Right, right. We want to minimize it or excuse it or turn away from it. And we have to name it and feel it to heal it. Now, this is, I think, another reason why I feel hesitant in my own spirit about using the word grief is because I think grief feels like a big thing. And I feel a hesitancy to like, if I feel it, then aren't I letting it multiply? Aren't I letting it take over? Right? But I've recently learned that it's actually the opposite. The opposite is true. Yes. Right? Yeah. If I I give it room to be felt, then I'm working through it. And I can, like you said, heal it. But if it's the opposite, if I stuff it down or if I ignore it, that's where it gives it room to to stick around, to grow, to fester. Totally. Right, Casey, there's danger in the unspoken grief. One of the analogies that we like to use in our grief workshop, and it it actually helps in every circumstance, is that grief is like a a beach ball. Have you guys ever taken a beach ball and tried to push it underwater and hold it underwater, this great big beach ball that's filled with air? Um, (laughs) You do that and you can use your muscles and you push it down and you hold it underwater and use all your energy to hold it underwater. And that works for a time. You can hold it there, but after a while you get worn out, your muscles wear out. And so your ability to hide that grief and push it away, (laughs) you get worn out, but it it will eventually explode. You can't do it forever. So it's going to come out. And if you take your grief and you try to stuff it, like you said, the word fester is so good when you describe it, um, it's going to come out. It might come out in a sideways comment that you make to a friend. It might come out when you burst into tears, when you didn't, weren't even thinking about what you were sad about. Yeah. Um, you're, you're making a sandwich and all of a sudden you realize, shoot, this was my daughter's favorite sandwich and she's not here to eat it. Yeah. And you start bawling and you don't know where it came from, but it's because maybe you didn't allow your, your mind to go there when you were thinking about how sad yeah. you were about your daughter's not living at home anymore. So I call it the danger of the unspoken grief. Yeah, it's going to pop up. Yep, it will pop up. And another thing that we can think about, uh, Casey and Benny, when we're talking about turning down the emotions of our grief, um, another analogy that I like to use in our grief workshop is thinking about our emotions as a volume. And is it a volume knob or is it a soundboard? We would like to think that our emotions are like a soundboard and we can turn down one emotion and turn up another emotion. And that's not true. Our emotions are actually... Because that sounds lovely. Let's just turn down the bad ones and turn up the good ones. (laughs) Right, right. Our emotions are actually more like that volume knob. The one volume knob that used to be on the old stereo is that you turn everything up or everything down. Um, We can't pick and choose which emotions we can turn off. They're all there and we're going to feel them. So you have to turn up the volume knob, feel the feeling, and then maybe the next emotion you'll feel will be joy or whatever it may be. But you you have to allow them all to happen so that you can experience the fullness of life and joy can be part of your experience if you allow the sadness 
yeah. the place, the holder it needs in your life to be felt. Yeah, that's so good. That is so good. <laughs> you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about my my own experience and the idea of the soundboard versus the the volume knob. And, uh, you know, many, many of our listeners probably have went to counseling, but I, I'm just reminded of an experience that I had when I first started to go to counseling a number of years ago. Here I am, a pastor, and like, man, I'm not supposed to go to counseling, but no, counseling was mm. good. It was healthy mm. for me. And I Amen. remember I sat in his office and I said, one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to cry. Like, so I just want to be happy. So let's figure out how we can just be happy and I remember he started to ask questions and he, I remember him using that same sort of analogy of like, Benny, we need to walk through this. We need to walk mm. through whatever the grief is uh, to get to the joy. Like you are always talking about hope and goodness, but we actually need to walk through the grief and you can't turn down the grief just to turn up the happiness and the joy. You actually have to walk through it all and whatever comes, feel it. It is what makes you human. It is what makes you mm. a human being. And so as you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, that is so true and can relate that to my own story. That's awesome, Benny. That's so true. And I can see your counselor just saying, thinking to himself, like, I want to help him welcome his sadness so that the good can come. And it's Absolutely. not a fake good. It's a real mm good goodness coming along with grief and not turning down our emotions. You guys, so good and helpful. Thank you. So Benny, as you worked through it, help us understand, like paint a picture for us. What do we gain by allowing grief to come into our life? Paint the, the like our goal for us. Yeah. Well, let me, let me start here before I even, you know, paint the goal. I think, you know, as, um, you know, as a, as a pastor at a church, I think one of my main missions and goal is to bring hope uh, mm -hmm. and to bring, um, you know, to, to help people understand that what they're going through is not the end of the story. I think we see mm -hmm. that in scripture all the time, that there is joy on the other side. But I think many times, and, you know, I think about Jesus and on the cross, many times we want to get to Easter Sunday and we forget about Good Friday. We forget yeah. about the pain, the grief that Jesus actually had to walk through to get to the joy on the other side, to the life abundant, to the fullness, to what he came to mm -hmm. do. And I think many times that's, that's for us. Like that, that same picture applies to us. And so I think there's some beauty here. Uh, and it's actually scriptural when, when we talk about naming the grief, when we talk about uh, like, actually, let's call what we're experiencing grief. Let's not suppress it. Let's not pull it down. Yeah. Let's yeah. actually name it. Let's actually um, call it for what it is. And one of the things I think that comes from that is a sense of freedom. I think, mm -hmm. you know, we're bit, we've been hiding and holding on to this thing. And, you know, you think about the analogy that Lee used with the beach ball. Like, we've been holding Oof. it so long. Let's just let it go. There's <laughs> I'm freedom. so tired. Yeah. <laughs> There's freedom of, like, I don't have to hold this weight. I don't have to carry this burden and mm -hmm. this thing that I'm grieving and put on this smiling face. I yeah. actually have freedom to actually feel what I feel. And I feel like that actually makes us human. So I would say oh that's gosh. one of the, the, the things that comes from it. Um, you know, the, the second thing I think of is just, you know, we are, we are interconnected beings. So 
we we feel things we go through things holistically like it's not just our spirit going through it it's not just our mind going through it it's not just our body going through it it's all of us together every bit and of so it, yeah. grief grief affects our entire body so mm. when we name it we actually find freedom in mm. our entire being and so i think that's one of the the second thing of uh, that comes from naming the grief. And then the third, man, I, this is where I get most excited. I've kind of included this uh, <laughs> Let's go, all throughout yeah, it. Yeah, he's getting excited. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I mean, there, there's, a, there's a pathway to God. I think grief brings us closer to God. I think about the scripture in Psalms um, where the writer is saying, God is, uh, God is close and near to the brokenhearted. Like when we're naming grief, when we're experiencing grief, and when we're saying, hey, I'm in a season where I'm sad and I'm hurting, I think God actually draws closer, closer to us and we begin to experience his goodness and who he is, his love and his tenderness. And so I think naming grief actually brings us closer uh, into a relationship, brings us closer to God and brings us into a deeper intimate relationship with Jesus. Benny, I love that because I think there is a misconception that if we are walking with God, we'll be happy and he'll make it all okay. And, and or his presence with us in it will make us happy, right? Yeah. But you're saying grief has a place. Grief, God feels grief. And when we feel that, we're experiencing the heart of God. Yeah. That's, that's a game changer. That's huge. Man, I mean, it, it changes your whole perspective, your walk with God. God experiences this. So actually, when I'm going through grief, I'm actually experiencing the heart of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talked about the example of Jesus and Good Friday and on the cross. Like, there was grief that God walked through. Like, like we are made in God's image. So when we experience grief, we experience pieces and parts of who God is. So, yeah. Yeah. I also think one of the things we have to remind ourselves of is that God knows that we're sad anyway. So (laughs) often we want to show up and give our best selves to God and just, you know, go through the prayers that we're, the way we're supposed to say it. Um, but if we can just show up real and honest and raw with our Lord and Savior, don't we feel so much closer if we feel like he knows us? And if we openly reveal that to him, we get closer. So true. Yeah. Yeah. God's not fooled by us showing up with our happy face on. No. (laughs) (laughs) He really isn't. It's almost, you know, it's almost, I, you know, I'm sitting here with, with two amazing parents and, you know, you can tell when your kid is sad and when they're happy and they're trying to put on a happy face and you're like, oh, honey. What's wrong? Like, Good you know, try. it's just a motherly face or the fatherly face of like, what, what, really, what's happening? Like, come on, talk to, you don't have to pretend like everything is good. And, is you know, so I think about Lee and her mom hug. It's like, yeah, I'm so hurting. He's not crying. And you just, there's a freedom there of like, uh-huh. I don't need to pretend. I can show up fully me with God and God is arms open, arms mm. wide. Say, come on in. I'm here with you. I think that's the beauty. He's here with you when you name the grief. Benny, even as you were inviting the, the imaginary little girl to, to what's really wrong? I almost, I felt the emotion. I was like, wait, am I crying? <laughs> <laughs> You're good at that. <laughs> oh gosh, you guys, that's so good. And 
it's that should we wrestle whether we're acknowledging it or not we're wrestling with the should like i shouldn't feel this sad about this but um you guys are giving words to yes you should and it's good and there's a place and there's a reason so lee as we've kind of gone through this journey of understanding that we we should feel grief or we we need to give ourselves permission to feel whatever feelings are popping up how do you suggest we start how do we begin to notice our sadness and name it as grief good question so we just kind of talked about the importance of being honest with yourself mm -hmm. um, and just making sure that you name what it is you need to grieve um, another thing to do is um, recognize that your losses might take some time to identify you're going to have to pay attention to when you feel sad another thing is let yourself feel the feelings and one of the things that we recommend doing is that you actually make an appointment to meet with your grief. Set aside time to recognize that you feel sad and then feel sad. It's important that when you name your losses, you might recognize that some fears about the future crop up and you have to pay attention to those fears as well. Like what kind of fears of the future might pop up as we address our grief? So if you think about what you're feeling sad about, um, and I keep going back to the example of, of my kids going off to college. Yeah. Um, I might be fearful that they're not going to come home again or that yeah. they won't miss me or um, that they won't go on the career path that I thought that they might go on. More um, things that'll make you feel sad in the more future. Things that'll, yes. So I yeah. fear those things. And to name those, um, I can grieve the loss of that dream um, maybe even before it happens, but just naming that helps us get through those sad moments and the grieving time. That's really, really helpful. Well, you guys, this conversation has been a gift to me and I'm sure it will be helpful for our listeners as well as we talk about the should of our feelings. Thank mm -hmm. you for, for painting an amazing picture of giving us permission to to welcome our grief so that we can also welcome the other feelings too. So thanks for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Casey. It's been so good to be with you. Yeah, good to be together. And on each episode of the Relate Podcast, you know, we leave you with some questions that help you consider your experience and your take on this conversation. It'll come as no surprise that on a podcast about relationships, we think these reflections will be even more helpful if you share them with those that are in your life. So grab a friend, grab some coffee, and discuss them together or with your small group to gain even more insight and understanding about how you relate. So we've got these questions for you. I'll read each question and give you some time to consider. Question one, what are some moments from your life that come to mind when we talk about interruptions or transitions that have left you with some sadness? Question two, how did you first feel when we invited you to consider that sadness is really grief? Is naming it as grief a challenge for you or does that come more easily for you? Why do you think that is? Question three, what fears might you have about spending time naming and grieving your losses? And question four, 
What do you hope to gain by naming your losses and giving space to grieve them? What do you hope comes from this practice? I'm so glad you joined us for this first conversation about naming our losses and sadness as grief. We hope it was helpful in your journey to understanding the way you relate to yourself, to God, and to others. If this conversation was helpful for you, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Our next conversation, we're going to take a look at why we have a tendency to compare our grief to others and how we can find freedom from that unhelpful tendency. I hope you join us.